0: championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello Lakers Nation, welcome in Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Your Lakers just picked up a win over the Boston Celtics, a fairly comfortable win. I'm already grabbing some super chats that are coming into the chat here, by the way. But the Lakers pick up a fairly comfortable win, 117-102 to against the Celtics' big third quarter. Thank you, Russell Westbrook. Welcome to L.A. My goodness, what an explosion from Russ, 15 points in the third quarter. Lakers get a much-needed win, particularly coming off that loss to the Clippers, So the Lakers do pick up the W in this one. We're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about who was good, who was not so good. We're going to talk about what this means for the Lakers season. Some new wrinkles that Frank Vogel threw in on the offensive end. That I thought were pretty interesting. We'll talk about those. We'll also get into the different starting lineup that we saw as well. Plus the defensive decisions that were made. Russell Westbrook guarding Jason Tatum. What? That's what we saw out there tonight. So we'll talk about that. A lot to break down, as you guys can see, solo show tonight, but never really just me. It's always me and all of you. So if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in, taking your questions and comments as we go through everything tonight. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into some of your questions and comments first, and then I'm going to get to the stats of the night but i'm seeing some really positive comments here and i want to make sure we address those i've got a lot of people oh somebody said james worthy was lighting up a stogie after the win gotta love that james worthy classic showtime era laker it means a little bit more right when the lakers get a win if that's a win over the celtics matters that much more uh, better team defense. I'm seeing a lot of people mention the defense was better. Yeah, they they turned up the defense in that third quarter. Only 20 points scored by the Boston Celtics. The Lakers' defense finally looked Vogel-esque. It looked like a Frank Vogel defense. They were making the extra effort, making the extra rotation. I'm curious, coming out of uh, halftime, what Frank Vogel said. Remember, in the past, when the Lakers really turned it on, it meant Frank Vogel kind of lit into them at halftime. I'm trying to remember who the opponent was uh, about a week, week and a half ago when the Lakers came out and really turned it up defensively and they had this this big energy win. Uh, It was the first true, like, solid win that the Lakers had where we weren't nervous in the fourth quarter. And Frank Vogel kind of lit into the Lakers at halftime. Did he have to do that again here? Or did they just take it upon themselves to pick up the energy, pick up the effort on the defensive end, and then really get into the Celtics? Because that third quarter was a big, big difference tonight. I've got some people saying. Oh, somebody has Che Jordan from YouTube with the super chat says, Where's Ron and Chris? Rumors they've got the they got the sack. No, Ron was in the building tonight. Ron was at the game. Ron very much is still involved, and so is Chris. Chris is as well. But he's now the NW NWA heavyweight champion of the world. So his wrestling responsibilities have been a bit more extensive recently. And so that's why you haven't seen him as much. But don't worry, Chris and I still talk all the time. He's still very much involved. And all of that. Somebody said Vogel on the hot seat. If Vogel is on the hot seat tonight, I think that seat got a little bit cooler, right? Based on the defense that the Lakers played in this one. That seat had to get a little bit cooler right now. Uh, People saying, where's Matt the optimist? Matt needed a night off on this one. Don't worry. Again, Matt is also still around, optimistic as ever. Uh, mama Mentality, that was a sweet win against our real rivals, the Celtics. Yeah, you know, for as much as people hate on the Clippers, and hey, I'm right there with you. It's fair game, right? When the Clippers come up, totally fine if we want to take a few shots at the Clippers, uh, given what they've done and said over the past few years in L.A., but the Lakers, their real rival, it's the Celtics. You know that. The Celtics are the historic rival of the Lakers. As annoying as the Clippers might be, and as much as we see them more often, right? They're in L.A. We play them three to four times a year, usually four times a year. You've got to deal with all of that. It's That, that annoyance is more in your face. But big picture, the Lakers' true rival, at least in my mind, it's the Boston Celtics. And so it's always nice when you get a win. Over the Celtics, uh, I'm seeing some people asking about trade stuff. We will get into that in just a bit, but let me get into the stats here. I'm seeing a lot of people talking. About, oh, somebody said Trevor nice hairdo. Well, thanks. I'm actually, I've actually been meaning to get a haircut for the last like week and a half, and just have not found the time to do it. So maybe tomorrow, we'll see. But. Um, the Lakers tonight, Anthony Davis, and I'm seeing a lot of anti-Anthony Davis comments in here. 7 of 13, 17 points, 16 rebounds, 16 boards for AD, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Look, I know the point total wasn't what we'd normally expect, like 24-ish points out of Anthony Davis, but 16 boards, that's a pretty nice night from AD. LeBron James, 30 points, 5 assists, 13 of 19 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3. Nice night from him as well. Plus 18 on the night. Russell Westbrook, 24 points, 11 assists, 4 turnovers. But his turnovers were largely trying to make things happen. Um, I didn't have as big of a problem with the turnovers tonight, in part because he was so good on the other possessions. 9 of 16 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. Nice night from him. Uh, The bad beat on the night, the over-under, was 220 points total. Yeah, if you do the math, 117 to 102, they hit 219. <laughs> Ouch. Not great. Not great. Uh our guy Mark Gunnels picked the over in this one. He was all if THT can make a three. My goodness. 0 for five from three. If THT hit one of those last threes, the over would have paid. But he also picked the over points on LeBron James. So maybe that's a wash there. LeBron easily got that one. Uh, somebody mentioned how many possessions did they have the Celtics have where the Celtics guard drove into the paint, kicked it out to a guarded guy because they couldn't do anything against AD. Yeah, I thought Anthony Davis had a nice night. I'm seeing some people that were not happy with Anthony Davis. I thought he was just fine tonight. I mean, no three-point attempts, but he did all the other Anthony Davis things that you needed him to do. Again, a plus 17 on the night, 17 points. You even saw him step in and take a charge. I mean, look, if we're, if we're complaining about Anthony Davis being too frail, He stepped in and took charges tonight. He got smacked in the face taking a charge at one point. I thought Anthony Davis had a very nice night tonight. I can't complain about this performance for sure. (laughs) Somebody said, where is smug Keith Smith on the show? Get him on. I don't know where Keith is. He's probably doing some Celtics things and and all that. I promise you, Keith is not smug. Keith is one of the most down-to-earth people that you will meet. Uh, he's also one of the most objective. If you saw some of his tweets during the game, yes, he's a Celtics fan, but he was talking about how well the Lakers were playing, how the Celtics were missing opportunities, things of, of that nature. So, look, Keith, he's a good dude, and that's why he's uh, he co-hosts with me over on the NBA front office show, which you guys should make sure that you go and subscribe to. I'll throw in some little comment about the Lakers beating the Celtics when we do our show tomorrow, breaking down NBA news. All right, I, I'm getting a lot of questions about the starting lineup. People saying, stop starting Taylor Horton Tucker. I get it. You know what, THT? Frank Vogel said before the game, actually said it yesterday after practice, that THT, he believes, is going to be a plus three-point shooter. He's going to be a, an above-average three-point shooter. And you could see Taylor like, forcing, begging and pleading a three-point shot to go in, even in garbage time. He just started shooting more threes, trying to get a make. Didn't happen. 0 for 5 from deep, 5 for 14 shooting, 6 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 3 turnovers for THT, who's a plus 16 on the night, 12 points. Um, I was a bit concerned about the starting 5 as well. Just like you guys were when the the starting lineup came out. I, I got the notification from Lakers Media Relations. This is the starting lineup, and I went, oh my goodness. What is happening here? The starting lineup. Talon Horton Tucker, Avery Bradley, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. There's no spacing there. Like, obviously, teams, Talon Horton Tucker is struggling so much from behind the arc. He was about 11% from three since the first three games. The first three games back, he was great. Since those three games, he's been shooting 11% from three. So he went 0 for 5 for for tonight, so it's even worse. So he's probably, what, like 9%, maybe 8%, something like that from three. Since then, teams are ignoring him behind the three-point line. They're asking him to shoot threes. Avery Bradley, he can hit them. He was one for two, shoots about 35%, but he doesn't shoot them well enough to where anybody really worries when he's out there behind the arc. Nobody's going to close out to him. So my instant thought was, oh my gosh, their spacing is is rotten again, and the Celtics are going to pack the paint. And sure enough, they did. Again, That we saw Anthony Davis will get the ball in the post, five Celtics in the paint. Multiple times this was happening. Every single time. AD gets the ball down low, five Celtics in the paint. It was driving me crazy. And then they made the decision defensively. I thought, okay, you put Avery Bradley on the floor. You want to have an extra guy that can get switched on to Tatum and can at least maybe give him a tough time. Frank Vogel made the decision to start Russell Westbrook defending Jason Tatum. I was talking to some of the Lakers Nation staff, and I said, you know what? Out of that starting five, the last guy, the last guy that I would pick to defend Jason Tatum would be Russell Westbrook. And it worked in the second half. It worked a bit in the second half. Russ did a pretty good job, to his credit, got into him. I don't know if starting Westbrook on wings is a good strategy going forward, especially Jason Tatum, who can just rise up and shoot over you. Didn't like that uh, that much. But overall, Russ did a pretty good job fighting through. I... I don't like putting him on the high-scoring wings, but I do wonder if maybe this is a path forward defensively. We've seen where Russ has struggled with quick guards. What if you let Russ deal with a size disadvantage and go up against a 2 or a 3 and let him be that guy? Hopefully that 3 is not Jason Tatum. It's not like a Paul George. It's not somebody like that, like a high-scoring guy. But you let him go defend the other wing. Now, we've also seen him get back cut a lot in some of those situations. But maybe that's something to explore, letting Russ use his physical strength a bit. Personally, I probably would have started Taylor Horton Tucker on Jason Tatum. I thought that was part of the point of having this lineup, was to use Avery Bradley on Schroeder, which they did, and then to put THT on Tatum and then let Russ kind of hide against Marcus Smart. I thought that was going to be the plan going forward, but it wasn't. They started Russ on Tatum and Tatum started out with 14 points. 14 points, like almost from the opening whistle. He just went berserk. Cooled off later on, though, and Russ wound up kind of making up for it. Played pretty good defense after that. I don't know if that's a strategy I want to go go to night in and night out. On paper, that's just, it doesn't sound like a good idea to me. So I was surprised to see that. Also surprised that Avery Bradley was the guy that got the call to start. I understand needing somebody to defend Schroeder, and he did a pretty good job of that. Schroeder was not good tonight for the Celtics. Schroeder uh, just one for six shooting. Did have 10 points. Got those all at the free throw line. Five assists for him. He was a minus eight on um, the night, Avery Bradley picking him to defend Schroeder. Okay, I get that. But that Lakers starting lineup, it's just screaming for floor spacing. And I've actually been pretty impressed with what we've seen defensively from Wayne Ellington. He's not been great. He's not been an all-star defender, but he's been serviceable. And if you're getting that out of him, then throw him in the starting lineup. Give yourself a floor spacer out there so that Russ has a little bit of room to work with in the paint. Um it feels like that's an obvious change for the Lakers, but for whatever reason, Frank Vogel has not gone to it yet. Instead, sticking with THT in the starting five. Again, defensively, it makes sense to go with THT, but offensively, I feel like Wayne Ellington's spacing would matter. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. Some of your super chats. Uh, somebody else commenting, we had uh Chris Rusolisi commenting on the starting lineup. Yeah, I just talked about that one. Uh, Again, I was surprised by it, but it wound up working out. Let's see what else we've got here coming in. I've got Landon Archuleta said, the Lakers being a third-quarter team all of a sudden is certainly a twist that I didn't think would happen so quick. Does Russ help with the energy? You know what? It's weird, isn't it? Because the Lakers, to start the season, were terrible in third quarters, and now suddenly they're like, they, they pick things up in the third quarter. Tonight was certainly the case. Is it Russ's energy? That certainly matters. You know, I mentioned this to the Lakers Nation staff. We were talking during the game. And I said, you know, Russell Westbrook would be a heck of a lot of fun if the Lakers were consistently winning. Let's say this team was like two in the West or three in the West and they had a, a solid winning record. Russ would be a lot of fun. Like, he really interacts with the LA crowd. And he really has a good time out there and brings the energy when the team's winning. When they're losing, I feel like he tries to do too much sometimes, and that can create some problems. When they're winning, Russ is a blast. When they're winning, the energy he brings is certainly infectious, so that's a good point. Scorpio Sky, what's up, Scorpio? Good to have you here chatting in, man. We got to have you on the show again soon. Said, wasn't crazy about the starting lineup. The defense was better. Aside from that, people need to give Westbrook his roses. He's been tremendous lately. Yeah, hasn't this been the better version of Russell Westbrook that we were kind of expecting from opening night? And what we keep hearing, that little kind of whisper from OKC fans, even from Houston fans, the Russ takes a little while to get going, that he starts slow every single season. That maybe that's true, because now we're starting to see good Russell Westbrook. Westbrook has been much better over the last few weeks. If this is the guy that you're getting for the rest of the season, that's going to help the Lakers tremendously. Now you can argue that he's still not that top-tier superstar-level player. It's still not give the ball to Russ and he's going to lead you to victory every single night. That's fine. You can argue that he's not worth his contract. It's fine. But if they get this version of Russell Westbrook, he is going to help them win basketball games. How many? I don't know, but he's going to help them win if they can get this version of Russell Westbrook moving forward, and he absolutely deserves plenty of credit for that. Speaking of which, let's just do it. Let's just do this. 360 award of the Lakers stars, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, 360. Who gets it? Who was the best out of that group tonight? Was it AD who again grabbed 16 rebounds. By the way, the Lakers won the offensive rebound battle. They got hammered on the offensive boards last time they played the Celtics. Lakers won the offensive rebound battle 13 to 7. In this one and the rebounding battle 46 to 34. That's dominance on the glass, which the Lakers have not been. This season, So AD grabs uh, 16 boards. Was it LeBron James? 30 points, 4 boards, 5 assists. Was it Russell Westbrook? 24 points, 11 assists. Who gets the 360 award chat? Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you think. I'm seeing a lot of LeBron. I'm seeing a lot of Russ. Oh, I'm seeing some love to AD. It feels good, right? When all three do something that helps the team win, And it's not, this player wins by default because the other guys were not great. We've had nights like that. Tonight's not one of those nights. Tonight, I think you can make an argument for all three. I think you can make a bit of a stronger argument for LeBron or Russ than AD. I thought AD had a big night. I think the stronger arguments are probably LeBron and Russ in this one. I'm seeing a lot of Bron. I'm seeing a lot of Russ as well. Oh, this is this is a battle going back and forth between LeBron and Russell Westbrook. I'm seeing it here in the chat. My goodness, this is probably as close to 50-50 as I've seen so far in terms of LeBron, Westbrook, LeBron, Westbrook, just going back and forth between Facebook, YouTube, coming in from all over the place, Twitter. But I do think as great as Russell Westbrook was, I am going to lean on the plus-minus stat. I'm going to go LeBron James. Plus 18 on the night. Russ was plus 11. Uh, Had one less turnover. Shot better from three. Two for five compared to one for four for Westbrook. uh, 13 for 19 shooting. Russ was 9 of 16, so both shot very well. Uh, LeBron more rebounds. Russ more assists. Again, this is one where if you pick Westbrook, that's totally fine. LeBron James, I thought was great. 30 points. I thought we saw LeBron kind of go in that next gear, that We need a win, so here I am. I'm going to make sure we get this one. We saw him do that in this game a few times on the offensive end, and so that's where I'm going to give him the nod. But Russell Westbrook, he was so crucial in the third quarter, and the third quarter is really what won the game. 31-20, to the Lakers won the third, and 15 of those 31 points came from Russell Westbrook, so all the credit in the world to him as well. Tremendous stuff. Officially, I'm going LeBron James, but man, I feel like I'm almost talking myself out of it because of how good. Russell Westbrook was tonight. All right, let me get into a few more of your questions and comments here. Devin Smart said, Lakers need to cut Bazemore or DJ and sign Ennis. So I do agree that the Lakers need another wing. They just do. They probably need multiple wings. I mean, again, we saw it tonight. Jason Tatum's in town, and your starting defender on him is Russell Westbrook. I don't know about that. Um, if Trevor Ariza was healthy, he'd be getting the nod there, but he's not. And I think you need—Trevor is 36 years old. You need more than just that as a wing defender in the NBA, in today's NBA. You've got to have more than that. And so if it means picking up a James Ennis or something like that, that's fine. But we also have to keep in mind the salary cap implications. Because the Lakers are well into the luxury tax, um, it's not just a dollar-for-dollar dollar swap. You're also incurring the tax. Plus, remember, let's say you cut DeAndre Jordan. Let's say you, you decide, okay, Dwight, you're getting all the minutes. AD's getting minutes. LeBron's going to get backup center minutes. DeAndre Jordan, sorry, you're done. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's what the Lakers are doing, but let's say they decide to go down that path. Okay, you waive DeAndre Jordan. You still have to pay him. You got to pay him that veteran minimum salary for the rest of the season. He's still getting paid. Then you go sign. In this example, say it's James Ennis. Uh, you go sign him, okay? So now you got to pay him too. So now for that one roster spot, you're paying two veteran minimums, and you're in the tax, so you're getting charged a tax on that. So that transaction to get a veteran minimum James Ennis is probably going to cost you somewhere around like eight to ten million dollars. That's a lot. That's a lot to pay for one player. So then you stop and say, is it worth eight to ten million to have James Ennis? Not. Is it worth a veteran minimum? And that's where you maybe pause a little bit. But I do agree on the surface with the concept that the Lakers could use more wing help. In fact, that's what I would be looking for if I'm the Lakers as we start to get into the trade market. By the way, December 15th, that's the date when a lot of the contracts that were signed this last offseason are now eligible to be traded. That's coming up. That usually signals the official start of the trade season. But if you guys saw the NBA front office show today, you should definitely go subscribe to. If you're over on YouTube, the link To subscribe, there is in the comments down below. Uh, It's in the description, actually. If you saw that, you saw Keith and I had to do a special show because the Pacers made it known that they're open for business. They're making trades. They are ready to rebuild, which means Miles Turner on the block. Domitas Sabonis on the block. Malcolm Brogdon, not on the block. He's not eligible to be traded this season because of his extension. Karis LeVert on the block. Justin Holliday on the block a lot of guys that could be interesting trade targets. I'm not saying the Lakers are an ideal landing spot for any of those guys or the Lakers have the assets to go get those guys. But What I'm saying is trade season is starting a little bit early. So if I'm the Lakers and I'm looking to make it any kind of move, even if it's a minor one, I'm trying to find another wing player. Chris from Facebook said, Trevor, do you think we have guys to offer the Pacers? Yeah, so I did a whole video that I released this morning over on YouTube, which you guys can check out. I went in-depth into exactly what assets the Lakers have available to trade. Short version is is this. They don't have a first until 2027. That's the earliest first-round pick that they can trade. They have some second-rounders between now and then, like a 2023 second, 2024 second, things like that. And then you have some contracts. You've got Talon Horan Tucker's contract at $9.5 million. Kendrick Nunn, who again is yet to play, and Frank Vogel mentioned uh, yesterday, the yesterday or the day before, that he does not expect to see Kendrick Nunn before the end of the calendar year. So that means we're not seeing Kendrick Nunn until January at the earliest, but he's a $5-plus plus million salary that in salary matching, okay, you can add him into something, and then they've got veteran minimum contracts. Don't assume that Westbrook, LeBron, or Anthony Davis is tradable. So that's the situation the Lakers are in. Those are the salaries you've got. And the opinions on Taylor Horton Tucker around the league, they're going to vary wildly. There's going to be some teams that are going to think he's got great potential. They're going to see the first three games back, and they're going to go, man, what could this guy be? And there's other teams that are going to look at it and say, well, he's he's been terrible since then, or he hasn't shot well since then. He's not a guy that we value that highly, so we're not that interested. So it kind of depends how each team views THT. And I'm not even saying the Lakers want to trade him. Just in theory, if they had a player they wanted to go after, that's the ammunition they've got. Some early, some second rounders in the coming years, first rounder six years from now, um, and then Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn's contract, and some uh, veteran minimum guys. That's what you've got to build around, or to build a trade around. All right. Oh, then my next super chat here, Mook Morris said, I know this may be irrelevant, but given the Pacers news, would you think Miles Turner would be a great fit if given a chance to trade for him? I think he's interesting. I mean, he's a big that's shooting, what, 38-ish, 39, maybe percent from three, uh, leads the league in block shots. So that's pretty important. Oh, Mook Morris sent it again. I'm just getting to your question, man. Uh, but appreciate the super chat, certainly. Um, look, he's interesting, but here's my problem. Do you want to pay Miles Turner eighteen million dollars per season this season and next season? Do you want to pay him that much, knowing that in crunch time he's probably not on the floor because it's going to be Anthony Davis? You're probably not going to run now. Starting games, AD and Miles Turner together, whew, that's fearsome. Good luck scoring at the rim with that. But to close out games, are you really going to put both of them on the floor, knowing that they're going to put? Be put in pick and roll situations, asked to switch and defend guys out on the perimeter. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure on that. So that's where you might have a little bit of pause. Do we want to pay that much money for a guy that we know most likely is not going to be in the closing lineup because it's going to be AD at the five? That's something to consider. But he can stretch the floor, so that does mitigate the issue a bit. I question the foot speed on the perimeter, but you know, it's something you would have to consider. Something you'd have to consider looking at. Somebody said, one win doesn't uh, band-aid the hemorrhaging. THT is terrible. Look, I I think this was more than just one win, right? This was It was one win, but it was a win in which the Lakers overall looked good. Now, there were still some moments where they looked like they were going to shoot themselves in the foot again. We've seen this. We've seen this in so many games where the Lakers start to play well, they get a lead, and then they do a bunch of things to let their opponent get back in. And they almost did it tonight. They went through a stretch in the 4th, where they didn't score on like five or six straight possessions, and the Celtics also didn't score, just couldn't hit shots. And it looked like, you know, Keith mentioned this, the Celtics burned up a lot of their makes last game. Last game, they were red-hot shooting. I, I can't remember off the top of my head who they played, but they were red-hot, and Keith went, uh-oh, they just used up all of their makes. They're going to be cold against the Lakers, and the Celtics did shoot 44% from the field and 30% from three on the night, 70% from the free throw line. By the way, 29 29 free throws for the Celtics to just 15 for the Lakers. Yikes, but the Lakers shot 54% from the field compared to 44% from the Celtics. So the opportunity was still there for the Celtics to make this interesting had they made a couple of threes. So the Lakers weren't perfect, but... Overall, just big picture, they spent more of the game as the good version of the Lakers than as the bad version of the Lakers. And it's amazing the contrast between those two things. But overall, this game featured more good stuff from the Lakers than bad. And the more as games go on, I feel like we're seeing a higher percentage of quality minutes from the Lakers than just tripping over their own two feet. We've seen sets where the Lakers look like they don't know what they're doing, where defensively, they're completely lost on the rotation, where offensively, they get mixed up and guys are looking at each other, trying to figure out where they're supposed to be. We're starting to see that less and less, which that's that should be the case as the season goes on, but it's still good to see. We're starting to see more positive minutes from the Lakers. Uh, somebody said from YouTube, Trevor, how about the defense of Wayne Ellington? He's an underrated defender. Yeah, agreed. He's been... Again, he's been better than I thought. I thought he was going to be a big net negative defensively because that's what he's been for most of his career, and that's that's okay. He's a great shooter, but he's been passable. Again, he's been not a great defender, but solid defensively. He's not killing you. He's not hurting you that much on the defensive end. And to me, if that's what you're getting out of Wayne Ellington is passable defense, he's not, go- he's not going to put himself in the wrong spot and completely blow it, and you're going to lose because he's just always in the wrong spot. He's not going to do that. He knows where to be. Physically, he's probably not capable of being a top-tier defender or anything like that. But up here, mentally, he knows where to be, and that's really showing out. And so if that's the case, if you're not losing a lot defensively, his floor spacing is probably the best on the team. It's him or Malik Monk as the best floor spacer, and I think Wayne Ellington has been the better defender. Between the two. So if I was going to put anybody in the starting lineup. Just to space the floor. Probably Ellington. (laughs) Somebody said. When is the Luol Deng money going to stop Trev? July 1st. When the league calendar changes over. That's the first day that Luol Deng's money will no longer be on the Lakers books. Uh, Mook Morris says. THT for Torrey Craig. I I like Torrey Craig. But I'd be aiming a little bit higher. Just because of the. Um. Upside that THT does have long-term. Remember, he's just 21 years old. I know I know you get tired of hearing how young he is and the potential that he's got when the Lakers need to win right now. Understandable. But that does have to be a factor when we're looking at trades. The Lakers are still high on him. The Lakers still believe in him. They paid him to show that they believe in him. I would be wanting a more bang for your buck, a, a bigger impact player if I'm going to move THT. And it's possible that's not out there. And so you just you just hang on to him. All right, let's get into the next man up award. So out of the other guys tonight, out of not Anthony Davis, not LeBron James, not Russell Westbrook, everybody else, who's the next man up? And I actually think this is a difficult one because aside from those three, only two Lakers got in double figures. That was THT, who didn't shoot efficiently very well. And Malik Monk, who was four for six and two from three, and he just barely got into double figures with 10 points. What I'm getting at is nobody else really popped tonight. was the big three, and then you got five points from Avery Bradley. You got uh, nine from Carmelo Anthony, but he didn't shoot well. Didn't hit a three. 0 for four from three. You got uh, four points, eight boards from Dwight Howard, which is fine in 13 minutes, but is that next man up quality? Probably not. You didn't have anybody have that big 20-point explosion. You didn't have anybody have that, that big just lockdown defensive rotation or something like that that sealed the game. So I'm curious to see what the chat thinks. Who gets the next man up? Oh, and I'm seeing a lot of our guy here. Malik Monk, who I feel like has won this thing like 20 times at this point. Malik Monk, we're 25 games into the season, and Malik Monk has probably won 25. Oh, Malik Monk because of the dunk. That's true. The windmill dunk on the break from Malik. I think we got to go there. I agree. Somebody mentioned Dwight Howard helped on the boards. Yes, he absolutely did. And I think he deserves credit. But I'll go with Malik Monk in this one. Again, he didn't have the blow-up performance that we've seen in recent games. So maybe we're setting the bar too high. But of the other guys, he had the highest plus-minus on the night. Well, except for THT, who was a plus-16. But again, did not shoot efficiently. Malik Monk tonight, no turnovers. 10 points, four for six, two for three from deep, two assists, two boards, and a windmill dunk. I'll take it. In 20 minutes, we'll give him that. Malik Monk gets the next man up award. Somebody said Carmelo Anthony kept getting burned on defense. See, That was from David Vasquez on Facebook. So if you saw what the Celtics did, what the Celtics do, and they did this last game too in Boston, is they switch hunt. And by that, I mean they get the ball to Jason Tatum, and then they have whoever the weakest defender or the least capable defender on the floor is of stopping Jason Tatum, they have that player's man go set a screen for Tatum to force the switch onto him. So they switch Carmelo Anthony onto Tatum, they switch Malik Monk onto Tatum. Those are the two guys they like to pick on. We saw it last game too. In fact, I was disappointed the Lakers didn't switch Hunt and not Cantor anymore. Freedom now changed his name, became a U.S. citizen, but they didn't switch Hunt Him, they didn't punish the Celtics for putting him on the floor much and put him in pick-and-roll situations. It was one of my frustrations last game. I thought the Lakers needed to exploit that a little bit more. But regardless, the Celtics do a nice job of switch hunting. And so we, we saw a few times where Carmelo Anthony was put into disadvantageous situations where he had to move his feet on the perimeter and he got burned. That's not against Carmelo Anthony. That's what he is right now. Everybody knew that coming in. That's not a lack of effort on his part. That's, he just, he doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with these young perimeter scorers in the NBA. So there's no surprise there. It's on the Lakers to try to scheme around that. There was one play where Wayne Ellington came over and didn't quite have the size to stop Tatum anyway. This is where having another bigger wing player on the floor, like a Trevor Ariza, would help out the Lakers a lot. Both in terms of the on-ball coverage of Jason Tatum, but also off-ball. Um, just having another person that can slide over and be kind of a long-arm, big body. There's a difference between Trevor Ariza sliding over and contesting a shot and Wayne Ellington sliding over and trying to contest a shot. Big difference there. So this is where I think the Lakers could use some more wing help. But again, Carmelo Anthony, yes, he got burned on the perimeter, didn't hit his threes tonight, was not a good night for him. But overall, he's been a great addition to the Lakers this season, even if tonight wasn't his best. Do keep in mind, he was sick coming into the game. He was questionable to even play. A non-COVID illness for Carmelo Anthony. So we do have to remember that when we're factoring in his performance. He he has been sick. So perhaps that was part of the reason too why he looked a little extra slow. Totally understandable. Somebody asked, when is Nunn going to play? So I mentioned earlier, Kendrick Nunn, um, Frank Vogel said don't expect him this calendar year. So January is going to be the earliest that we'll see him. And we have not seen him all season. Bone bruises. I, I've got some people that are saying the so the Lakers are up to something. They lied about the injury, something about that. I don't know. Um, the Lakers have a history of underestimating how long it will take. Or once word gets out that it's not going to take that long, they don't really push back against it. They just let people kind of expect that. So we got to the reevaluation date from Kendrick Nunn, and then we didn't hear anything really from the Lakers. Nothing official on when he was going to come back or anything. He's just been out. So that's not great, because then you've got expectations out there that a player's going to be back, that they're going to be ready to go, and then they're not, and people start looking around saying, well, what's wrong? Why is he not back? What's happening here? Is there something going on? It just creates unnecessary buzz around a player that doesn't need to be there, that you can get ahead of, but this is how the Lakers have operated. They've chosen to kind of stay quiet there. But at least we have some clarity now. Frank Vogel saying he's not back till at least January Bone bruises, some of them, depending on the severity of it, can take a really long time to heal. So this doesn't mean that they're hiding some other injury or something like that. It could just mean it's a bad bone bruise, but I also understand the frustration. Like, why don't we hear a little bit more about this injury? Um, Basketball is not like the NHL. It's not like the NFL, where disguising an injury or being vague about an injury can really give you a major competitive advantage. Uh, Heck, even soccer. Sometimes you'll hear a player's injured and it's a lower body injury. They won't even tell you what if it was a knee, an ankle, a toe, anything. They won't tell you, right? Because there can be a competitive disadvantage to the opponent knowing, particularly injury to a player. Basketball isn't quite that way. So it it's, rings as strange when we don't have more details on a player injury like this. All right few more of your question and questions and comments here. Don't forget, we do have the uh, Master Lock of the Night coming up as well. Oh, somebody asked Trevor Ariza's timeline. So to get to Ariza's timeline, when he's back, uh, he actually participated in scrimmage just the other day, which is great. That means he's been cleared for contact, obviously, if he's participating in a scrimmage. No pain in the ankle from what we've heard, but Frank Vogel still used his favorite phrase, that he's a ways away from returning. So now all we're doing with Trevor Ariza is ramping him up. Getting his legs under him. Because remember, he hasn't been able to do a lot of running, cutting, things like that. So it takes a while. When you've been out for that long, it takes a while for your legs to remember, oh yeah, hey, I do this here. I do that now. I can do this now and build up that muscle again and build up that endurance. It's that's gonna take a little bit of time, but we're in the kind of the final stages. So I'm not saying he's back next game or anything like that, but sooner rather than later, I think we're gonna see Trevor Reza back out there. But I just if it's another week, that maybe it's two weeks, it just depends on how long it takes him to really get his legs under him. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Somebody said, it's always, it's always good to see the Lakers beat the Celtics. Absolutely. Sam Blue from YouTube, is Trevor Lane related to Trevor Ariza? That's not how names work. Just because two people have the same first name doesn't mean they're related. In fact, most cases, unless you're George Foreman, you don't wind up with the same first name in a family. All right, since a lot of people are asking for it, a lot of people are asking to get to the master lock because you already know where it's going. Let's do it. Master lock of the night. So if anybody's new, the way this works is we take whatever was the most annoying thing from the game, whether it was a Lakers player, the opponent's player, Celtic player, we put them in Chris, the masterpiece masters, finishing hold the master lock in this one. I'm seeing some people say THT get out of here. Dennis Schroeder is getting the master lock tonight. That's right. It's going to a Boston Celtic. It has to Dennis Schroeder gets the master lock. The Lakers, Put him in the master lock during the game. 1 for 6 shooting, 0 for 3 from 3 for Dennis Schroeder to go along with just 10 points and a minus 8 for Schroeder. And he got a hearty round of booze from Lakers fans at Staples Center. We can still say Staples Center for a few more weeks until Christmas, then becomes Crypto.com Arena. But Dennis Schroeder gets the master lock of the night tonight. Oh, Schroeder. You know what? Dennis Schroeder is not a bad player. Not a bad player, and frankly, I think he's a value on the contract that he's got right now this season with the Celtics. But you turned down four years, $84 million from the Lakers. You're saying the contract wasn't in front of you or whatever. Okay, but you turned down four years, $84 million from the Lakers because you wanted more in free agency, and look what wound up happening. We talked about this, talked about it a ton during the offseason. There were more point guards than there were landing spots for point guards uh, more point guards on the market than there were landing spots for them, and the music was going to stop, the money was going to dry up, and somebody was going to be left out, at least one player. That one player ended up being Dennis Schroeder. Uh, 40 years, 84 million, I thought might have even been an overpay for him. And again, I don't think he's a bad player, but that was a major mistake, and it's led him to the Boston Celtics. Now, obviously, he had those choice words about the Lakers after last game, um, That the infamous graphic that a, a certain media company put up about the Lakers with Dennis Schroeder doing the walk-off interview tonight. Not his night. One for six shooting. So no revenge game for Dennis Schroeder, and he gets the master lock. All right, let's see here. Somebody said we should be thankful he didn't sign with the Lakers. Yeah, look, I, again, I thought that was a not a great contract for Dennis Schroeder. I think it might have been looked at as a bad deal had he signed it. So, okay, maybe he helped the Lakers out in that sense. But, again, that was just not smart by him. The upside to doing that, to testing out the Waters in free agency, it's not that high. Not that high compared to the downside, which he found the downside, really low. Big difference in terms of what he had on the table or, you know, the metaphorical table and what he actually wound up taking. Somebody said the free throw difference is crazy. No one's talking about it. I I talked about that a little bit. Said free throws, 29 attempts for the Celtics, 15 attempts for the Lakers. Now, some of this was the Lakers were just fouling. Um, When they weren't playing good defense, they were resorting to fouling. And that's something that Frank Vogel will not be happy about because he is a big no-foul coach. He wants you to defend. He wants you to defend hard. He wants your team to rotate, to make these switches, to make the extra effort. But he also wants you to do it without fouling. He thinks that's a critical part. So Frank Vogel overall defensively, he's probably pretty pleased with what we saw out of the Lakers. But he's going to have that one little note of the Lakers have got to quit fouling because this was uh, this could have really hurt them. It helped that the Celtics shot poorly from the line, just sixty nine percent, which is nice from the Lakers' perspective. But this could have got a lot worse, and against some other teams that maybe that are shooting a little better on the night, that could be costly. So the Lakers have got to get better at defending without fouling. Clint uh, Baps said, Trevor, a big difference I've noticed is that Westbrook is making his layups. Usually he misses quite a few gimmies. Yeah, he's been a little bit better. He's been a little bit better in terms of of finishing those. So that's been nice to see. Uh, the finishing at the rim is really important because it's it's deflating when you miss a layup. Uh, especially when Russ goes flying out of bounds on a layup because if you miss it, it's a live ball. Even if he makes it, teams are running in transition off of makes. If you've seen that, it drives me a little bit crazy because it's frustrating. When you're the team that does a great uh, runs something great, gets a bucket at the rim, but your offensive player, you're the guy who scores, goes flying out of bounds on it, the other team grabs the ball real quick and they race up the floor and they have a five on four going the other way. Um, Russell Westbrook, if you miss that, You don't get the point, and then you give up a 5-on-4 going the other way, sometimes even worse. So, yeah, missing those ends up being a big deal, but he's been a bit better at making them lately. And I think that's all just part of Russ in general, being better the last couple of weeks than we saw at the beginning of the season. The the turnovers are down. A lot of things are down. Somebody mentioned the Lakers aren't complaining as much tonight. Uh, The turnover's down, missed shots are down, things like that. Other stats are up. And yeah, we also saw the Lakers hustling back a bit more. There were a few plays where the Lakers stayed back to complain, but it wasn't nearly as prevalent as we've seen early in the season where you would have, let's face it, LeBron, Russ, even AD. They would think they deserved a call or something like that, and they would stay behind to play to complain, and the Lakers were getting scored on on the other end. That can't happen. You can't do that. Uh, You can't spot teams. The Lakers aren't good enough to spot teams' points in transition because they're too busy complaining. So it was nice to see that cut down on a little bit, although part of that might be they were winning the game. So you're not gonna complain as much when you're winning. All right. Somebody said AD at the five, long run. Yes, that's from Kyle on YouTube. I do think Anthony Davis will be the starting five long-term, particularly when Trevor Ariza comes back. Now, Frank Bogle has already talked about this a bunch, that he thinks that Ariza being back in the rotation sort of unlocks the Lakers to to play more Anthony Davis at the five because the problem that they've had has been a couple of things. If you run AD at the five, that means that LeBron, whoever, if it's Carmelo Anthony, whoever else is on the floor with you, uh, sometimes it's a it's a small, when it's THT, get stuck defending some big wing players. And that can be a challenge where if, it is, if Ariza's on the floor, you can do that. You also get beat on the glass a bit more. So if AD gets pulled out to the perimeter, and particularly if LeBron was not in the game, the Lakers didn't have a lot of size to rebound. So we saw in the last few weeks, we saw some sets where it was Anthony Davis and four guards. And the Lakers, not surprisingly, got crushed on the glass, particularly any time that Anthony Davis had to go contend on the perimeter. And so when you have a guy like Ariza who can come in, he's not a huge, he's not going to pull down 15 boards a night or anything like that, but he's got the size to at least be a factor there. And so that makes a difference in that area as well. So as Trevor Ariza gets healthy, I do think we're going to see even more Anthony Davis at center. All right, let's do one or two more. Adrian Ramirez, Trevor, do you think your nephew, Austin Reeves, deserves more minutes? All of a sudden, he seems to be getting less and less minutes to the bench. I don't think that Austin Reeves did anything to lose minutes. We want to look at it that way. I think that tonight, just the the Lakers had it going defensively, particularly in that third quarter. So where you might have seen Austin Reeves sub in, Frank Vogel just stuck with the guys who really had it going. Uh, Reeves played three minutes tonight. You know, just garbage time minutes. But I think we've seen some really strong play from him overall in the season. And so I would be surprised if he was completely out of the rotation. I think it was just the way the flow of the game was going tonight that he didn't get in there. But I, I do think that Reeves is going to be a solid piece for the Lakers moving forward. Let's see what else we've got here. Maddie James from YouTube said, I'm so happy to see the way the last few third and fourth quarters have started and finished with the Lakers' intensity picking up on both ends of the floor. Definitely a positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, we talked about this a few weeks ago. There were a few times where I looked at the game and I was disgusted. I was disgusted. Not because the Lakers' X's and O's were so bad. Not because they were out of sorts. Not because the chemistry wasn't there or they were making mistakes. I was disgusted because they weren't playing hard. They weren't putting in effort. Like, obviously not trying. We saw stretches of games like that. And that, that as much as we talk about, is this the best lineup? Is this the best scheme? Should the Lakers be doing this on defense or should they be doing that? As much as we talk about all those things. None of that matters without effort. And so I think what Maddie is getting to here, that the Lakers have been, they've ramped up their effort, their intensity. I think that's really key. Because again, all of the other stuff, does not matter if you're not going to play hard. And for a stretch there, we saw a Lakers team that would go through these moments of these kind of woe is me down on their luck moments where they just couldn't seem to get out of their own heads. And they were getting scored on, and their body language was terrible, and they looked like they felt awful, and they just weren't trying. They weren't making the extra effort on plays. And so now we're seeing that change. Now we're seeing the Lakers make the extra effort. And this is key... It's leading to success now again they lost last game to the Clippers but overall we're seeing the Lakers as they are putting in the extra effort when they're putting in extra effort it's largely turning into success and that's important because just that's how we're wired if we're doing something over and over and over and it's hard it's hard to stay that locked into a basketball game but if you do that and you get rewarded for it and you can make that connection hey I put in the extra effort. We got the stop. That meant we got to run on the other end, and Malik Monk got to do a windmill dunk. That's great. That's what you want, because then next play down, you're going to make the extra effort again, and you're going to keep going because you're getting rewarded for doing that, and we're seeing this Lakers team start to get rewarded for it. There were some times early in the season where the extra effort wasn't mattering. like They were putting in the effort, and they were still getting scored on or still not coming up uh, with a bucket on their end, and then the effort started to wane because it was like, well, why do I keep doing this if it's not getting the result that we want? And that can be a tough thing to break out of. So I think the effort level for the Lakers has been much better in the last couple of weeks. And that's a good thing to to mention here. So that was a good comment. All right, let's do one more. One more, and then we'll call it an evening here. Oh, somebody said, trade Stu for Trevor Lane. If you're talking about Stu Lance, I will drive myself to the airport. Stu Lance is a legend, an absolute legend. Yes, I would I would happily step aside for, for Stu Lance. He is absolutely fantastic. In fact, I've met him a few times in person. And I can tell you guys, in person, he is everything that you would expect. Exactly how you expect him to be, that's how he is, which is absolutely great. Uh Shay Jordan said read my super chat about bays. Jay, I must have missed it if I didn't see it. So comment again and let me know what it was because I must have missed it somewhere. Uh and I'm saying just a regular comment. I'll I'll look for it and see if I can get it. I must have missed it somewhere in one of my one of my rants. Riz Alam said love this post game Trevor. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Always always fun when we can do this off of a a win. A win, particularly a win over the Celtics. Uh, Charles Weldon said, Trevor, can we still trade for Christian Wood? Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of buzz. The Rockets have actually been winning games, which is crazy and not something that you would expect. But uh, Christian Wood's been playing very well, and so he's going to have some suitors around the NBA. I was really hoping that the Lakers would get him when um, he was with the Pistons, and the Pistons decided they were going to sign and trade him. I was all on board with a Kyle Kuzma sign and trade for Christian Wood at that time. Uh, Didn't wind up happening. He wound up going to the Houston Rockets. I think he's an intriguing talent, but it's kind of similar to uh, the Miles Turner question, where are you going to put Christian Wood and Anthony Davis on the floor together during crunch time? Because if you're not, that's a lot of money to allocate to somebody that isn't a, a closing time player. But that said, I like Christian Wood a lot. I think the idea of putting those two guys together is really intriguing. Uh, Just the length that you would have with that. Same thing with Miles Turner. It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know if it works down the stretch of games, but my goodness, that kind of rim protection could be really impressive. All right, somebody mentioned Miles Turner to the Lakers. You know, that was something that I, I talked about a little bit ago, something that they could. Okay, so Shay Jordan here with the super chat that I missed said, I said Bays always cops flack, but his bench energy is first class. I hope he gets another run and steps up. Yeah, you know what? When Kent Bazemore fell out of the rotation, I said, don't, don't just assume he's dead and gone and you're never going to see him again. He'll probably get an opportunity at some point. The question is, will he capitalize on that? Bazemore, during training camp, separated himself from the other wing defenders to the point where Frank Vogels called him out, specifically said, this guy's on a different level than the other wing defenders. Uh, He has separated himself from the rest of the bunch. That's pretty high praise coming from a defense first head coach. However, the defense started to slip as the season went on and the offense wasn't there. So... If you're not getting great offensive production, and you guys saw Kent Bazemore driving to the basket, oof, that's an adventure. That is an adventure, and you have no idea which way it's going to go. So once that happened, when you were getting offensive struggles from him, and the defense wasn't quite there, the minutes went away for him. But he's still an interesting guy, and I think at some point he's going to get another shot. For him, it's a matter of staying locked in. Look at Dwight Howard. He was out of the rotation. Didn't play one game. And then DeAndre Jordan upset Frank Vogel. And so Dwight Howard got an opportunity the next game. That's normally not the case. But DeAndre Jordan blew it. Frank Vogel was upset with him. And so he said, Dwight, get in there. And in fact, from what Mike Trudell shared this story, um, that Dwight Howard actually went and got a weightlifting workout in before that game that Dwight got to come into. Before that game, he went and lifted weights, which normally players who are going to play don't do that. You don't lift right before a game. But Dwight knew he wasn't going to play, and so he went and lifted. And then Frank Vogel turned to him and said, you're in. And he was a monster, and he was great, and now he's been part of the rotation since. Ken Bazemore hasn't had that opportunity come up yet. Again, Dwight's came up very fast. He told himself, I'm out of the rotation now, but I'm going to stay ready, and when I get that opportunity, I'm going to prove that I deserve to be out there. And he did. He got that opportunity after just one game. Ken Baysmore has not had that opportunity yet, but for him, it's just about staying ready. All right, let's really do one more. Oh, here's a super chat. Mr. Easley, Chuck said AD has been disappointing this season. I'm assuming you mean Charles Barkley. He also stated he has potential to be a top five player, but hasn't. What are your thoughts? Um, You know what? I don't think that that we can look at Anthony Davis and say he's fulfilled his potential. I also don't think you can look at AD and say he's bad. He hasn't been the bubble Anthony Davis, the championship Anthony Davis. That guy, that guy was not only a defensive monster, but his jumper was fantastic on the offensive end of the floor. That guy is a potential league MVP. Right? That Anthony Davis. The AD that we've seen is more like all-star caliber Anthony Davis, but it's some a little something's missing. So that's not saying he's been bad, but everybody's seen how good he can be, and so they've set the bar really high for him, and, and rightfully so. So I agree with Charles Barkley that he can be a lot better than, than what he's been so far, but that doesn't mean I think he's been bad. It's not like he's been a net negative for the Lakers. I think they're a much better team, obviously, with him on the floor than off it's just that the bar is set so high for him that we're still we're always expecting him to get to that next level and we'll see again I think that stretch in the playoffs uh what 14 months ago is the best we've ever seen him play in his entire career he was phenomenal and hopefully we're not just forever chasing that hopefully he does hit that level again Brian Wong from YouTube the super chat what do you think is the best player we can get with a thT centric package? Again, it's so hard to tell because THT has the value is going to depend on the team that would be receiving him. Some teams will see him as this really intriguing young player with tons of upside. Other teams will see him as uh, a guy who just hasn't quite panned out yet. It just depends on the beholder, uh, the eye of the beholder in this case. So it's hard to say. But if I'm the Lakers, I would want something. If I'm going to move him, I would want something significant to trade him. Otherwise, I think it's worth it just to hang on to him and see what his upside is. Um, I would want somebody pretty good before I would move him. All right, guys. Appreciate all of your questions and comments coming in. The Lakers do get a big win, and always nice when you get to get a win over the Boston Celtics. Next up for the Lakers is the Memphis Grizzlies going out on the road here on the ninth. They'll take on the Grizzlies, and then second night of a back-to-back, Our old friends, the Oklahoma City Thunder. See if the Lakers can get a win against a team, a bad team that they are 0-2 against. But the Grizzlies, I believe still without John Morant, the Grizzlies also just blew out the Thunder by 73 points, what, less than a week ago. So you never know what's going to happen in these games. Lakers will be in Memphis for the next one heading out on a very short road trip. So Lakers Nation, again, appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Go check out the NBA front office show as well where Keith Smith and I cover the entire NBA. I'm sure we'll talk a little Lakers-Celtics on tomorrow's game, only this time, the Lakers got the win. So I'll be a bit happier about it. Thanks again, everybody, for joining me. Till next time, see you, and stay safe.